0: If you would, we'll turn open to one of my favorite texts in Scripture, Psalm 16. That'll be our text tonight as we close up this series on our triune God. And I wanted to end with this. We started with knowing God and thinking upon that and what I hope As you saw in the midst of all of this, what I want to bring out tonight from Psalm 16, the blessedness of God. It's one of the divine attributes of God that I think is often neglected. We will talk about omniscience, omnipotence, omnipresence. We'll talk about steadfast love, as we've sung. We'll talk about His graciousness, His kindness, His goodness, His power, His holiness. The blessedness of God, I think, is something we often forget to speak of, and I want to look at that together tonight in closing. I'll give you a reason why here after we read the text, but let's pray before we open the word together. Father, we do pray that you would give us a glimpse of your beauty this evening beauty that you enjoy with the Son and the Spirit. It's our blessed triune God. I pray what can often feel like an academic exercise of trying to understand you, that we would have hearts that are affected with thinking upon your blessedness and all that it means for us especially as we are gathered with Your people by Your Spirit this evening. May You teach us. May You stir us. We pray this in the strong name of Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in You I take refuge. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Sends a reading of God's Word. Blessedness, blessed. You know that word, uh, you know it most likely from the Sermon on the Mount. Now Jesus will begin what we call the Beatitudes. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. Now that term blessed just means, we could translate it maybe in our vernacular, it would just be happy is, happy is, happy is. And Jesus is pointing out there in the Sermon on the Mount that The happy person is the Christian, and they are marked by these things. These are the things that mark their lives. Happy is this person. Blessed is this person. Where is happiness found? Where is blessedness found? I was thinking uh, when I was growing up, one of the... Incredibly popular songs that just kind of kept going, it seemed like, for two decades was uh, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Uh, I can remember a girl we used to pick up on the bus, uh, and she had in her window, her bedroom window, this huge yellow smiley face that just was plastered on her window, and it just said, Be Happy. Uh, And that's what she was. She was just always beaming, just always happy, be happy. Uh, I don't know how to say his name. I was asking my kids and they were of no help tonight. Pharrell Williams, Pharrell Williams, right? I uh, looked it up tonight just to see how many hits did his song have, Happy, have on YouTube? 906,570,000, that song, right? Happy. And why is that? Why is it that things like that just kind of, oh, they grab people? It's because everybody's looking for happiness. Everybody is. Where is happiness found? Where is pleasure found? The psalm begins with David as a refugee. And he is on the run, most likely he's on the run from Saul. Saul is seeking to put an end to his life and chasing him and looking to kill him. And so needless to say, David is, as the psalmist, is not in the best of circumstances. This is not, as we would look at, it happy circumstances. We wouldn't say he is living the blessed life as Saul has him on the run, and he is running to the caves of Azulam, and he is hiding there, and having to gather around him mighty men to help safeguard him, and constantly running from his foe. And yet, in the midst of this trial, David finds that he's enjoying blessing. And all those blessings that he enjoys, he says, flow from God. It's our first point, blessedness from God. Blessedness comes from God. In David in the psalm he has an absolutely singular mindset in the psalm he is convinced to so of the better part he says at the very beginning i have no good apart from you he knows that god is the giver of all things that are good as james will say All good gifts come from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. That is, all the good things you and I enjoy in our world, they are all gifts from God. And David recognizes this. He recognizes that he is dwelling in blessedness, and all of these blessed things he has from God. He details a number of them. In verse 1, he claims, In you I take refuge, that is, in God, he has safety. Verse 2, David says, I have no good apart from you. He not only has safety, but he experiences goodness. In verse 3, he states, As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. He has godly friends. In verse 7, he proclaims, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel, he has wisdom. He continues in verse 8 by saying, I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. We just sung that tonight. He claims stability in his life though he's on the run. He is also the strength on which David draws as he journeys on. And finally in verse 9 he proclaims, Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. He experiences blessing upon blessing due to being in relationship with God. Safety, goodness, friendship, wisdom, stability, and joy. And he counts all of these as blessings in the midst of this severe trial. He begins the psalm with understanding that he has no good apart from God. However, the great blessedness that David enjoys doesn't come from God, but comes with God. And that's our second point, blessedness with God. He compares what he possesses to what those who do not have the Lord experience in verse 4. And it leads him to say in verse 5, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. He claims that God himself is his inheritance. That the great thing that he possesses and that he will forever possess is God. It's not just that he gets blessings from God, but rather that God himself is his blessing. There is blessing with God. That is where true blessedness is found, David says It's in possessing God. Language that he uses here where he says inheritance and portion, that's That's significant, because he's drawing on Old Testament verbiage here. This is language that would have fired in every Jew's head as they hear this inheritance and portion. Because when Israel went into the land, every tribe was given an inheritance and a portion. The tribe of Dan, and the tribe of Reuben, and the the tribe of Simeon, and on and on. They were all given different portions of the land. They were all given an inheritance you have from this part of the land to this part of the land you have from this part of the land to this part of the land every tribe received a portion and inheritance except one and that was the tribe of levi the tribe of levi receives no portion no inheritance and god explains the significance of this in numbers 18 he instructs the tribe of levi quote i am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. This inheritance, this portion of the tribe of Levi served as a sign as they were to be the priestly clan of tribe of Israel. It was to be a sign that, look, you as the priestly tribe, are to reflect before all the tribe that though they have these boundaries and though they have this portion of land, truly the great portion, the great inheritance that the nation of Israel has is not that, it's me. It's me. I often thought about that promise, right? The, the blessing of the land will be a place flowing with milk and honey. All of this blessedness. But God's reminding them the land pales in comparison. I'm the true blessedness. As Thomas Watson said, the end where to all men are carried and whereat they aim is happiness, or we might say blessedness. And in Psalm 16, David recognizes that God is the ultimate aim and the ultimate fulfillment of the blessedness that all Mankind seeks. David knows what the church father Anselm will later write, where he says, Love the one good in which all good things are, and that is sufficient. Love the one good in which all good things are, and that is sufficient. This is what David has found. This is very similar, Psalm 16 to Psalm 62. Uh, We sing Psalm 62 tonight, where in Psalm 62, David will, in a refrain over and over, he, he will talk about the fact that God is a rock and a salvation and a hope and a refuge and a glory. But he takes it a step further in that psalm. He doesn't just say he is those things. He says he is my rock, my salvation, my fortress, my glory. He knows him because he has him, and he's had by him. The personal possessive adjective makes all the difference. David knows God, verse 11, is his life. This is not an abstract truth for him, but something he experiences and knows. If it's just an abstract truth to you and I that God is a refuge, that He is a fortress, that He is a blessing, that He is good, that really does nothing for us. That personal possession, that adjective of possession, that that makes all the difference. He's mine. I often think of it like a, a church building and you look at a church and you look at the Stained glass windows from the outside. And from the outside, you know, these old church buildings, of stained glass windows, you look at it, you can't quite make out the form and the colors are muted. And it just looks like there are a lot of running together. And really, it's just kind of dreary. But once you go inside the church, and once you're inside... And you can look at that window from the inside. Now all of a sudden, all of those colors, they pop. And there's glory in it. And there's beauty in it. And why is that? Because now you're on the inside. David's on the inside of this truth. Not only does he know that there is blessedness from God, he knows that there is blessedness with God. He's on the inside of this truth. That makes all the difference. Thomas Watson again commented, blessedness lies in the fruition of the chief good. It's not every good that makes man blessed, but it is. it must be the supreme good, and that is God. Augustine, I think, said it better than anyone when he said, the Spirit of God is blessed and perfect, but the human spirit is not blessed, except when it's with God. Why? Because there is blessedness for man in relation to God because man was created to be with God and will be re-created to be with God. We were created to be with God and to enjoy God. And so you're looking for the blessed life. You're looking for the happy life. It can only be found there because that's what man was created for. As Augustine famously said, you stir man to take pleasure in praising you because you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Van Maastricht, the Reformed theologian of the 17th century, said this, blessedness, he said, denotes abundance, plenitude, indeed also fullness, because blessedness is not completed by any one good, but by the confluence of all goods. And the confluence of all goods is found in God alone. Blessedness, third, is found with God forever. The greatest blessedness man can enjoy will be when we not only possess God, but we are with God free from every barrier. And that's how David ends the psalm with the declaration of verse 11. In your presence there is fullness of joy. Literally, the verse reads, fullness of joy is with your face. Fullness of joy is with your face. And that's absolutely fitting because it's in beholding the face of God and the person of Christ, what we will call the beatific vision, that we will find our greatest blessedness. We behold his face. Fullness of joy, he says, David says, and pleasures eternal. There's no limit, there's no lack there. The refugee of verse 1 has found the path of life by the conclusion of the psalm. It's life because it is not only the way to live, but it's the only way to truly live. And that's what he's found. Well, often. I find myself saying when uh, someone in our congregation has lost a loved one, because it's the first thought that comes to my mind, but I often find myself saying to them, it will be a Sunday morning, they lost someone on Saturday, and I see them at church. And it's often the first thought that goes to my mind, and so it's often the first thing I say to them is, you know, they're enjoying their very best day right now. Very best day they've ever had. And why? Be- be- because <laughs> they're seeing what they were created for. They're experiencing the greatest greatest blessedness you can experience. If they are in Christ, they are gazing upon God in the face of Christ. That's where there is life, living with God as our inheritance. With God, every longing is met. Every desire is satiated. Every hunger is filled. Augustine, again commenting upon upon this psalm in verse 11, said this. He said, you will fill them to the brim with gladness so that they will look for nothing further when they see You face to face. Delight is to be found in Your favor and mercy while we are on the journey of this life, which leads to the goal of beholding Your face in glory. Beholding the face of God in glory. That's when we come to know Him fully. No longer looking through a veil. No longer looking through a mirror dimly lit, but we behold Him in all of His glory. And as the Westminster... Assembly rightfully stated, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And man's pursuit and man's blessedness are not abstractly related, but intimately related. There's enjoyment with this God because we're created for Him, we will be rec- we are recreated for Him, and we will be resurrected unto Him. As Revelation 21 conveys... The blessings of eternity for the redeemed will be marked by God wiping away, quote, every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. The blessings are great. But why are the blessings great? Because they flow from the blessing. That's what John tells us. Because of this, all these things are true because, quote, "...behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God." It's Him being with Him. As Robert Letham, a modern-day reform theologian, said, he said, "...God is supremely enjoyable. His glory is to be our great delight." Our greatest enjoyment in this life and the next is and should be to be animated by the beauty of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Seeing God surely with our glorified eyes, but even more so with our heavenly minds will be the greatest blessing the saints enjoy for all of eternity. And He will impart Himself to us according to the fullest capacity of our souls. And in this way, we truly know God. I think Thomas Aquinas is very helpful in this regard. Aquinas will talk about true knowledge. And as he talks about true knowledge, he says true knowledge is, is knowing, but it's also presence. It's both. It, it, it's that knowing, but it's also presence. It's that experience. And when we truly know an object, and thereby, he says, we take that object into ourselves, into our very being, we become united to it. That's real knowing. Where you know something, and so you know that thing, and so by knowing that thing, you're taking that thing into yourself, and you're united to it. And he says, this is what you and I experience in this life as we're in union with Christ. And this is what we especially, in a full way, experience in glory when we're before the throne of Christ. We take Him in. This we will know when our faith gives way to sight, when our hope is realized, and our love sees the object of its affection. This is the conclusion that David arrives at in Psalm 16. Blessedness is found in God's presence. And all of this blessedness the psalmist enjoys, it flows from God's own personal blessedness. So I want to end... It all flows from the fact that God Himself is blessed by Himself. Again, we have to maintain the distinction as we've looked at throughout this series. God's blessedness is never obtained. Our blessedness is obtained. Polanus, an old reformer, makes it clear God's blessedness is not derived when he stated this. He said, God's blessedness is his essential property, on account of which he is per se and by his nature always free from every evil and affluent in every good, which signifies him to be most perfectly knowing, self-sufficient, and content in himself, such that he neither needs nor grasps at our goods, See, Polanus is underscoring the fact that there is an independency of God. God is independent of Himself. He's not only independent in and of Himself, He's also self-sufficient in Himself. You can't separate these two things, but this is often what we do. We will speak of God being independent, but then we think that somehow that we supply something to Him, that He needs something add extra that is outside of Himself to actually be blessed, that He needs you and I, that He needs us to give Him praise, that He needs us to give Him glory, that He needs you and I to be objects of love for Him, as if He needs something outside of Himself. But He doesn't. He's not only independent, He's self-sufficient. And because that is true, He finds all blessedness in Himself. He has every good in Himself. Bavink says it this way, he says, He is dependent on nothing, but everything depends upon Him. Accordingly, he does all things for his own sake, for the sake of his name and praise. Nor does he need anything, for he is all-sufficient and has life in himself. Thus, he is the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was and who is to come, absolutely independent, not only in his existence, but consequently also in all his attributes and perfections and all his decrees and deeds." God cannot be dependent upon anything else or derive anything from anything else outside of himself. If he does he ceases to be God. There's great danger when we attribute God's happiness as something external to him. And we do this when we separate his self-existence from his self-sufficiency. If he seeks something outside of himself, pleasure is something extrinsic to himself, and then he ceases to be God. No, he's perfectly blessed in and of himself. As John Webster, the late theologian, just recently passed away, stated, he said, the Holy Trinity is perfect blessedness in himself in the absence of creatures. And this brings us to the Trinity. Trinity. It is so important that he be triune, so that within himself he has all blessedness. You see, the Son and the Spirit bless the Father, even as the Father blesses the Son and the Spirit, and the Spirit blesses the Son and the Father. They find the three persons in their one essence. They find goodness in itself. They find love in themselves, in himself. There's a completeness. There's a wholeness. People often say they say, Well, God created because he needed something to love. No, he didn't need anything to love. He needed nothing. He didn't need anything to love, the Son loved the Father, and the Son loved the Spirit, and the Father loved the Son, and the Father loved the Spirit, and the Spirit has loved the Son, and the Spirit has loved the Father for all of eternity. He needed nothing to love. You say, well, He needed things to give Him glory? No, He needed nothing to give Him glory. The Son is always glorifying the Father and the Spirit is always glorifying the Son and the Father and the Father is always glorifying the Son and the Spirit. There is always glorifying that's happening. There's no need outside our triune God. He finds Himself to be the most beautiful, the most perfect, the most good, the most delightful being there is, and rightfully so. God is blessed by God. and The psalmist is pointing out all of this when he says that God is our ultimate end. So he can be the source of our blessedness because he's the source of his own blessedness. But it, it begins to fire things, doesn't it? You start thinking, well, if he finds himself to be his own blessedness, if he has blessedness in and of himself, why is it that, that he has us to seek our blessedness in him? What, what is that? that's why I had us go through that psalm at the very beginning in our call to worship because of his steadfast love. It's just incredible love that he would share the greatest thing that he has himself with us so that we might know true blessedness so that you and I might dwell in true happiness and joy and goodness and beauty forever. That's an amazing God. The more we know and the more we apprehend this God, the more blessed we shall be. Why? Because God himself is blessed. Your great pursuit in this life It's not graduating and getting a good job. It's not honoring your parents. It's not having a successful marriage. It's not passing on a good inheritance to your children. The great thing that you and I or to chase after in all of this life is just knowing and apprehending more of this God. Because that's where there's blessedness. In fact, this is what, if you are in Christ, you will do for all of eternity. It'll just be day after day of increasing knowledge and apprehension and increasing day after day blessedness. Anselm, the early church father, he prayed this prayer. I'm just going to close with this. Loved this prayer. He said, I pray, O God, that I may know You and love You so that I may rejoice in You. And if I cannot do so fully in this life, may I progress gradually until it comes to fullness. Let the knowledge of You grow in me here and there in heaven be made complete. Let your love grow in me here, and there be made complete, so that here my joy may be great in hope, and there be complete in reality. Lord, by your Son you command, or rather counsel us to ask, and you promise that we shall receive, so that our joy may be complete. John 16, 24. I ask, Lord, As you counsel through your admirable counselor, may I receive what you promise through your truth so that my joy may be complete." God of truth, I ask that I may receive so that my joy may be complete. Until then, let my mind meditate on it. Let my tongue speak of it. Let my heart love it. Let my mouth preach it. Let my soul hunger for it. Let my flesh thirst for it. My whole being desire it until I enter the joy of the Lord who is God, three in one, blessed forever. Amen. That's a good prayer. Oh, just give me more of you. More knowledge, more experience, so I have more joy. And what I don't have in full in this life, oh, lead me to the next where I can have it. It's a good prayer. As David said in closing, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand. Pleasures forevermore. Make knowing this God the great pursuit of your life. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, blessed God, we praise you for your blessedness. How awful it would be if you needed something outside of yourself. are thankful that you are complete, that you are whole. Within you there is no lack. So that we might find our all in all in you. We're thankful that You, the blessed God, has chosen to give us Yourself, that we might also be blessed. To think, O Christ, what You said to us, I know My own, even as the Father knows Me, and I know the Father. That we would be known here even as you know the Father, and the Father knows you. And that we have the great blessedness of being able to know the Father and you, O Christ the Son, and you, O Spirit, even as you are known. Ah, may we be a people that seek after true knowledge, and true apprehension of you all the days of our life. May it be our great pursuit. And we pray that you would bring us home to glory where we might see all of this come to fruition in full measure. Thank you for being our blessed God and making us your blessed people. In Christ's holy name, amen.